Hey guys, this is Brandy Rhodes, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. This is episode 135. I'm Credo. And I'm Angry Cooter. And we're the Social Assassins. And we're just calling it how we see it, baby. That's right. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's it's time for Thanksgiving. It's time for food. It's time for loved ones, Foot, family. Foot, football. 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 <laughs> Uh, this is it, man. This is the Thanksgiving episode we call. We're home for the holidays today. Oh, God. Hey, you know what? It, it's funny because we're actually recording on uh, what I like to call amateur night. The eve of Thanksgiving. You know, the biggest party night of the year, Credo. I fucking hate this day. Thanksgiving Eve. And uh, we're, uh, we're home partying, talking wrestling. We're <laughs> living it up. Yeah, well, you know what? I'd rather do that than than go to these bars nowadays. You know, where all these college kids come home for that weekend and they just sit there and lie about how many bitches they fucked at their like first like semester of college. Like they think they're all cool and shit, and it's just like, dude, listen, seriously, this shit has played out. Man, you're I gonna just... look at yourself in like five years and you're gonna hate yourself. No, I just want to sit down and play uh, Nintendo, Nintendo classics. <laughs> Super Mario Brother it up. That's it. That's my party. Yeah, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, and it, it's, it is the holidays. We're home. Uh, we're also going to be talking to Brandy Rhodes, the wife of Cody Rhodes. Oh, that's uh, going to be such a good interview. It's, uh, yeah, man, we're going to find out uh, what she's doing for Thanksgiving this year and uh, a whole lot more. So uh, stay tuned for that. She'll be joining us. But, man, it's uh, we're giving thanks today. Uh, well, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. Maybe giving thanks uh, while we're home for the holidays, right? We're, uh, we're giving thanks maybe of our area, about the wrestling in our area, right, maybe? Yeah, I mean, we've uh, bear witness to some uh, pretty historic moments here, being that we live in the Hudson Valley, so we'll uh, probably take a, a look back at some of the good moments that we've uh, had in our area and even some that we've witnessed for ourselves, so that should be an interesting discussion. Definitely, but uh, everybody listening, tuning in right now, you're sitting down, Getting ready for some turkey, gravy. Uh, check out anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. It's the mothership for anything and everything. AWP Cooter. We got uh, we got every episode on there. Uh, shows we've done, things that we've done. Check it out. Go exploring while you're sitting down eating some turkey, right? Yeah, I mean, we got some YouTube exclusives. All our social media is up on there. So give us a like, a poke, a tweet, a German suplex, whatever the hell you want. And... Just give us some goddamn love. Is that too much to ask? Well, there you go. Uh, every, each and every week, before we even talk about that, uh, it's been a big week. There's there's too much wrestling each week, so let's get right into the week that was. Oh, boy. What a week it was. Goldberg uh, is now, like, the one who's the one in 21-1, and, one and he's, 
I don't know, man. I, what what happened? How nobody saw this coming. Is it one of those things that Vince just had to get us? He had a he needed another moment since uh, the Undertaker streak. He needed to to get us. He needed to one up us. I you can't even ask me what happened. You know why? Because they did their entrances, and I literally you know stepped outside to grab a bottle of water. And by the time I got back. Uh, Lesnar was on the ground and Goldberg had his hands in the air. I said, what the fuck just happened? Dude, my Apple TV quit on me. So I had to turn on my phone really quick and see it. By the time I turned on my phone, <laughs> it was getting pinned and that was it. I'm like, I'm like, the one time like it would, it would happen would be the main event on the quickest match of the, the, the night. So that's, uh, that's great. Thank you. Does that bother you that that happened the way it did? Or I mean, can you see? Okay. Why- yeah. Did it, or I mean, because there's all these rumors going around. Oh well, he wasn't ready for a full-length match. You know, they want to set up for uh, a Mania match. But now we hear him entering the Rumble and trying to go for for a, uh, a run at the title, and I'm just like, why? Well, you know, when I first heard all that stuff, and then when I, you know, was thinking what was going to happen, I knew they weren't going to go like 20 or 30 minutes. But I mean, like, it was a minute and a half. That's it was. That's how long it was. Minute and 25 seconds, 24. Whatever. It was like a minute and a half. And, I mean, going, what, five minutes, ten minutes would have been great, but I knew he wasn't going to go, like, a half hour with him because he couldn't keep up, but come on, that's like, okay, you're taking this, I always called Brock as, like, the new phenom because after he beat The Undertaker, Undertaker kind of lost that, you know, that pizzazz, that that phenomness, I'm going to call it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So so he lost it, so Brock became that main attraction, the Andre the Giant of this era, if you will. Uh, You know, the man just had a UFC fight, and like I said, you know, he won. Uh, that's uh, like when you look in the land of pro wrestling, the UFC is like, you know, the real sport. So he won in UFC this year. He's been a beast ever since. Like, what did you say? John Cena is the only one that beat him since his return or what was it? Uh, something else like yeah, that? Yeah. When he first came back, I mean, he lost his first match back to, and to Triple Cena. H, Triple H beat him. In that, but. And Triple H beat him at Mania. I mean, he hasn't taken too many losses and, you know, he beat the Undertaker. He won the title. I believe it was SummerSlam. Or somewhere around there, where he suplexed uh, Cena what sixteen times. You know he's been built up as this dominant ass kicker where nobody can touch him. I mean, even the hottest guy, or not that he was the hottest guy, but the guy that Vince would hope would be the hottest guy, your Roman Reigns, was even not made to look strong around Brock Lesnar. I mean, this guy was it. This is your guy, and now we are jobbing him out to a 50-year-old man who has not been in the ring in over a fucking decade. Man. That makes sense to who? <laughs> and it's it's insane, though, to think, like, you know, Vince, uh, somebody's like running the ship, somebody, I don't know, some, something's going on that's a little, a little weird, because... 47 years, that's what I'm saying. Like, he won a legit fight this year against, like, a younger guy, younger than him, uh, and you're telling me... The forty-seven-year-old against the thirty, what eight, whatever year old is. I don't know. Goldberg's forty-nine, and and Lesnar is thirty-eight, and I think uh, Mark Hunt might actually have been older than him. Don't quote me on that. I'm not positive, but the the thing that drives me nuts about this, it's not just that match. I mean, that that whole card was a little iffy from start to finish. I mean. The bullshit finish with the IC title Many match. Many bullshit finishes. The, the bullshit finish with the uh, cruiserweight match. And it, it, it was just one what the fuck after another. And especially coming off the heels of 
of that amazing NXT pay-per-view that, uh, you know, we had to watch uh, on my phone on the way back from the Northeast Wrestling Show, which was fantastic, by the way. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's like the, Triple H even tweeted it out. All right, it's time for the main roster to step their game up because every match on that card was a classic, in my opinion, and we get this bullshit from the main roster, and for what purpose? It's uh, you know I, I love that they went the old school Survivor Series route as far as teams, but it was too much Raw versus SmackDown. Like I didn't want like I said before you know I want to see like you know the Shields or whatever the Shield versus you know the Wyatts like team names you know like give them names or whatever like uh, there's just too much Raw versus SmackDown. Maybe one match should have been Raw versus SmackDown, but like too many. Like even the tag teams was just too much. Uh, it was just you know just. It should be a tag team on a team and then have a few other people. Make it into like a big series like the Cruiserweight Classic. You know, make it a Survivor Series to where it's like one, you know, a few weeks is uh, these teams get whittled down. But uh, that's, okay, overthinking it. But yeah, one night for NXT A+, the other night for the main roster. It doesn't seem like the main roster anymore. I don't know. Really, what's going on with him? Here's the other question I have for you. I could have sworn. Now, am I wrong? Wasn't somebody uh, supposed to get some picks from 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 the other brand if they had won more of the elimination matches? I don't. And that just kind of sort of disappeared. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe I've been drinking too much, but I'm almost positive at one point that was supposed to happen, which was which was why I made certain picks the way I did because I thought certain people would get drafted over if so-and-so won this match or whatever. I'm like so confused because the way they book things changes. I mean, even look at last month with the hell in a cell. Yeah. Oh, we it, didn't know what the main event was going to be because somebody fucked up. And now we have three main events because I, we, we couldn't be made to look like fools. I know. I almost feel like they backpedal on what they wanted to do because these stipulations weren't just like, a loser leave town or, you know, just whatever, any kind of other stipulation. It, it was, you know, if, if he wins, the championship comes over here. Or if he wins, you know, the championship comes over there with the cruiserweight and you get the cruiserweight division. And it was almost in my head that the way these were booked was that they just were hating how it was. Like, they didn't really like the cruiserweight division on Raw. Maybe they want, like, it just seemed like the stipulations seemed so odd that that's what what they really wanted. They were changing the storylines around on us, and at last minute, man, you had that screwy finish. And that, and that's the thing with these screwy finishes is that this is the one of the big four pay per views of the year. And at one, of the, this should be like the end games to where then you just right. This is where you restart the story over the next day. Like you have four times a year to restart the story over, and that's great. Uh, but when you don't do it and you treat it like a, a raw or you know like a you know nothing big nothing major really happens besides what a mini shield reunion like okay right no they needed more than that you know it's Th- that's the thing that drives me nuts I mean you're absolutely right I mean I could see you doing that on one of these you know lower tier pay per views where you're where you're setting up for a rematch or something like this but yeah the big four is supposed to be the end all be all to certain feuds and you know. We're getting screw job finishes because it's Survivor Series, you know. Ever since Sean got to screw Bret Hart at Survivor Series, we get screwed every every uh, big four pay per view ever since. Now it almost seems like. Oh my gosh! They made the screw job a thing now. Every few years, it's like someone's got to get screwed or something. Even like Natalia 
and Charlotte have the screw job finished, didn't they? At one point, like, stop using it. Stop. It's like these little things. How know? many sharpshooters did we see this weekend? For God's sakes. <laughs> I mean, I oh, we get it. We're in Canada, but yeah, I think even was, I, who love it, it's like, come on, still. Yeah, I mean, I think it was used in NXT. I mean, I know Cesaro used one. I know Natty used one. It's like, all right, enough with the fucking. I Dillinger, sharp- I think, did a sharpshooter right here or something. something yeah, that's what I'm, like, yeah, I think yeah. somebody did an NXT. That's what I'm saying. It's like. All right, it's that's that's enough. Uh, you know, the first one was cool, but you guys get the memo, you know. So so could you know so Goldberg wins in this minute and a half out of this whole weekend. I think they were trying to really get that as the shock factor to where no matter how much it sucked or what was good, people want. We're going to talk about this. All right, so you have this 47, 49 year old now who who wins. Uh, kind of deflates that whole momentum bubble they had pretty much with Lesnar, and. Like, for what? Because I think the one point I want to get bring up is that Lesnar was that new phenom, right? And the next person to beat him, you think it would go to, like, it would give somebody this major push, right? Right. So, That's what I'm exactly what I'm I thinking. Think they're, they're, like, afraid, right? They're afraid to pull the trigger because it's almost like, you know, oh, what if you quit, like, Del Rio quit, you know? Or what if you quit, like, CM Punk quit? To where you give this younger guy this big ball... They could take that and go to TNA and have that. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it's such a big thing to what if that guy just says, I don't want to wrestle after this. You know, it's you give it to, like, this older guy. Like, you give it to Goldberg to where, you know, that legacy stays in WWE. And nobody, you know, he's definitely not going over to TNA to wrestle. You know what I mean? Like, he's done after this. Like, that's it. And, you know what I mean? So, you, you kind of, it, it goes to him knowing that that doesn't leave the WWE in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's two things I'd like to say about this. One, uh, Lesnar taking that pin. You know, Lesnar's your special attraction, one. And when you drop him out to a guy that age, you know, I mean, uh, granted, he's got the fans behind him, but how long will that go for? I mean, you know, nostalgia only lasts for so long. But now, you know, Lesnar's not so special anymore because he got beat by an old man. Uh, Two, you're absolutely right. I mean, you would think that somebody would get this big massive push but we we're, we're giving it to somebody who could potentially get hurt training i mean <laughs> dude no I, I don't see that to be a smart ass because i mean at that age i mean i know people who who severely uh, pull muscles when they're lifting weights for christ's sake let alone uh, you know doing in-ring work like that i mean come on I mean, we're, we're going to build this major storyline against somebody that age, and we're really going to have to protect them. Like, uh, I mean, think back to Rock versus Cena, and we had to build that for a year. Do you know how risky that was? I know. I that's mean, what, that's, yeah, that brings that that goes right into right there too. Is that he entered himself in the Royal Rumble? So yeah, obviously this is going to be definitely like it's a definite continuation to at least mania because if he's going to be in the rumble something's either going to happen but you know what i mean so yeah they're yeah, definitely he'll either win that. get a title shot or he'll lose because lesnar will screw him and then they'll fight again it's you know it's funny because it's like if, when we when, when sting did this it's like well who else do we have left that could actually do this and nobody really thought it would, it would happen with goldberg but it is um but yeah, it's almost like there. It's what other legends are left after this, as far as like guys from that era. You know, it's like, especially from WCW. What 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 WCW wrestler can we bastardize and 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 make more money off of? I mean, we had a Kevin Nash, we had an NWO, we had a Steiner. Oh God, we had Sting, we've had Goldberg. I mean, who's left? I know. That's... We even brought back Bret Hart for Christ's sake. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. 
which were another one of those end of the era matches. Uh, it's interesting, but yeah, I, I mean, man, at the end of the day, Goldberg winning, come on, like that was like that quick too, at least. Like, no offense, literally a shoulder tackle into the corner, and that's all he got. So it, it's like that bubble, man. A bubble burst that night because, man, like I, I feel like they were really building it for something big. And you know, hey, what if Roman Reigns got that win against? Would you be as pissed off? Or I don't know. No, because as much as I don't like Roman Reigns, I could at least you could justify why you would put that win on Reigns because. He's the younger guy. He's he's going to be around for the next couple of years. You know, that's a push uh, for somebody like Reigns. He would need something like that to, to build his credibility with the fans. I mean, granted, the fans don't like him because, you know, marks are marks. But, I mean, to have that feather in your cap, you know, basically says, hey, man, you know what? You are the next guy. I mean, look at John Cena. Look what he had to do. I mean, really, I don't think anybody really took him serious until they took down Triple H at, at WrestleMania. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking in my head right now, do we just book a Mania match or something like that match? The Spear versus the Spear. You got Roman Reigns doing it, and then you got Goldberg. Could Gold, could could Roman Reigns be the one who retires Goldberg, or are they just going to go all out and have it Lesnar till the end to, to defeat him? In that uh, I, I hope... I hope somebody. You know, you know what happens. This this is WWE. They'll probably book James Ellsworth against against uh, Bill Goldberg for for the title, uh, and James Ellsworth will have his hand raised at WrestleMania. The way that WWE me. books uh. this shit. Oh yes. <laughs> before before that though, one last thing on this whole Goldberg thing. He even dropped the championship reign he has one more reign in him uh do you think they they would give him the the belt because i mean they got two now you know what i mean do you think they (sighs) wouldn't mind putting that on him to where the could could we have a universal champion bill goldberg by the by 2017 i i is the universal championship turning into like a legends title too to where anybody god You're really just bumming me out on amateur <laughs> night, dude. Get ready for uh, get ready for the new year. We'll, we'll, we'll work our way to that, but man, <sighs> you just said it, James Ellsworth. Okay, um, <laughs> I would have thought you know like three or four shows ago we would have stopped talking about it, but you know, like I said, I have nothing against the guy. Yes, you do. What You're I such have, a hater. What I have against him is that. I like I'm pretending I'm in NXT right now. You know, I'm oh, like and God. I see this fucker come in there and just like it's and the thing is that he's not as he's not Santino funny. He's just like dopey fucking pathetic funny and I get it, but at the same time, man, that fifteen minutes ended like days ago and come on. It, it, he got a contract now, he beat okay. This is goes to show you how much Dean Ambrose sucks because he can't even carry a program to the next pay-per-view with AJ Styles, and it's almost like James Ellsworth <laughs> is carrying this program now. It just goes to show you that like he they I don't know, ever since that Austin interview, it just seemed to go downhill for uh for Mr. Ambrose there. Um James Ellsworth, man. Let me ask you this. You're saying that Ellsworth has been carrying this story. (laughs) And I think that's a very fair statement. Yeah, he has. Uh, And that's, that's goes to show you how much I, I, cause I don't, I could care less about Dean Ambrose. I'm sorry, kids, but uh, I know I kind of, I feel bad for him. Do you think that Ellsworth making it look like he's carrying this program is because Ellsworth is actually that good? Or is it because Ambrose has become that bad? 
Ambrose has become that bad because oh, where it takes wow. it takes really our hater. Oh my so, god! So Ellsworth takes the focus off of Ambrose's lacking of you know character or whatnot to where you still have that cool Dean. You have that cool Dean Ambrose now that Ellsworth can look up to. It's like it's like Fonzie and Richie from fucking Happy Days. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, and Ambrose's mic skills makes up for Ellsworth's uh, lack of a chin. And that's exactly what it is. And it's like <laughs> that's what it's turned out to be. The Fonz and fucking Richie uh, Cunningham. There you go. <laughs> so that's what that's exactly it. But I mean, okay, like I said. N- I'm, uh, I'll talk to James Ellsworth. I'm, I don't hate you, but I just hate that. Uh, I, it's a it's a love hate thing to where I love how they're using guys from the outside. Trust me, like I, I think that's really cool to where they brought back jobbers and now they're having like look at this guy. This guy had one match with Braun Strowman and then he's fought AJ Styles three times, won a contract, which also states he can have a championship match against him. Like okay, I'm just gonna throw the headset down right now. I'm done with the show. Like <laughs> it's like. A ch- what a championship match! He's totally. You know that happens when I watch SmackDown now. I I not only enjoy James Ellsworth because I enjoy your reaction that's going to happen because of James Ellsworth because I find it so funny that oh you God. hate him so much and that you're so annoyed. Dude, it, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's but that's the thing. It's like I don't hate him. I talk to him like, hey, hey, James, how's it going? I'm Steve. Uh, I would, I, you know, I'm like, I'd be cool with it. But at the same time, it's just, I just hate. It, it, don't even get me started. It's He's got just, more Twitter followers than you. That's why you're mad. <laughs> Is he verified on Twitter yet? I'm sure he's got to be. I'm sure he's got to be. You know, it's how can you Are miss you that verified shit, on Twitter yet, Credo? I'm not verified. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> Me or my, like it's... ten followers. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's been a crazy week, Hooter. I don't know what else we could talk about. I mean, if you guys are listening, girls out there, everybody who has anybody. Please hit us up on our social media, facebook.com slash another wrestling podcast. Tweet us at a wrestling POD. If you can't find him, go to another wrestling Everything's up there. It's 2016. It's almost 2017. You should know this by now. Yeah, really. But, uh, okay, guys. Coming up, we have a new TNA knockout. She just had her debut match a few weeks ago with her husband, Cody Rhodes. Please welcome Brandy Rhodes. All right, joining us today is a former WWE ring announcer, a model, a blogger, and current TNA knockout, Brandy Rhodes. Uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, uh, Brandy, you know, something fans may not know is that you were a competitive figure skater for over 17 years. Uh, how did you like skating, and was it as competitive as pro wrestling is today? Um, I would have to tell you, figure skating is a completely different bear. Um, the best time of my entire life was the 17 years that I figure skated. It was, uh, it's, it's something I'm currently chasing, <laughs> trying to, trying to get the same feeling, um, from, from that time period of my life. But, um, it, it was the absolute best time. Um, figure skating at a high level is extremely competitive. Um, it puts, Pro, it makes pro wrestling look like a cakewalk. <laughs> with this, as, as competitive as it is, um, being that there are so many components to figure skating, you know, pro wrestling is it's kind of a, an acquired taste. You you either like someone or you don't, and it's based on uh, many things, but mm-hmm. it's more fan based. You're judged in figure skating. You're judged on 
uh, a number of criteria that changes all the time. And it's kind of like a guessing game on how to be perfect, but you're not sure what you're being perfect up against. So <laughs> it's really, really tough. Um, and the girls and guys that, that are doing it now, they've really kind of upped the bar even more. So um, kudos to them. It, it is a very tough sport, but it is my absolute favorite sport. <laughs> Definitely. And now, from also what I know, that you have a master's degree in broadcast journalism, and you also worked in the news for a few years. Uh, did you always have a draw to maybe just being on TV in some sort of way? Yeah, I always um, – wanted to like figure skating was you know my first goal of things that I would like to do and go to the Olympics and all of that stuff but um, my afterlife goal was always to do television and news was my goal for as long as I could remember Um, people used to always tell me it's funny because people get irritated with me with my voice this is my actual real voice it's not a carbon copy of any bring announcer's voice. It's my voice. Sure. And um, it has been my voice since I was a kid. I have a very authoritative kind of um, speakerish voice. Mm. And um, it's funny, people have always, I've, I've had people even get mad at me and say before, like, would you stop talking like you're an, uh, you're some sort of speaker or you're some sort of announcer? And I'm like, <laughs> I, this is my voice. This is who I am. This is what I was born to do. So, <laughs> um so it's funny. It's just uh, kind of always been in my blood. And ever since I was a kid, people would always say, you would make a great television personality, the way that you speak and the way that you carry yourself and your smile and everything. And I'm just like, yeah, that's all just the package I came in. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now, now with, okay, the ice skating to the side and now some of the news to the side, uh, what drew you to pro wrestling? I mean, was it kind of uh, with your voice? I mean, did your voice lead you to pro wrestling or what? How did that start? Um, nope, not at all. A uh, picture of me in a bikini led me to pro wrestling. Um, at the time, John Laurinaitis was the director of talent relations, and he was from the era of um, athletic models. So uh, I, I was kind of on the tail end of that era, uh, but he selected me looking at models from different agencies. That's the exciting truth. <laughs> <laughs> not, nothing else to it. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, just I happened to be interested in, in learning something new. Uh, a lot of girls that come through that, well, came through that way weren't, weren't really interested. You know, they would go for the tryouts and it's very tough. Um, you get beat up, it, you're bruised, it hurts. And some of them say, yeah, no, thanks. I'll go back to, you know, modeling for swimwear magazines. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then some of us say, yeah, no, this is cool. I'm going to try it. I'm going to keep going. So. Sure. Sure. Now, uh, you know, when you started, you, you got, that led you to the WWE contract you had, uh, but you didn't start wrestling uh, as much. You know, you came in as an on-air personality doing interviews, uh, ring announcing, uh, and I know you trained a lot to wrestle and you had a few matches off TV, but uh, were you specifically looking to announce or did they just love your voice and your look and uh, they want you to do that instead? How did that work out? Um, they they just discovered that I had a good voice and um, that pushed me into the role that I was in. Um, and at the time, uh, I was encouraged to go ahead and take that role because it could lead to something else. Um, you know, if I continued to train, it could lead to something else. Uh, somewhere in that whole advice <laughs> situation, um, the lines were crossed because I, I had continued to train and, you know, was doing both. And, um, then was kind of pulled aside by someone one day and said, Hey, do you not want to be a ring announcer? And I was like, well, no, this is, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is kind of what I've been told to do though, is to train too. 
And they said, no, you need to stop training um, because you're making it look like you don't care about this, mm. which was the advice that I was given. So I was like, oh, okay, well, gosh, good. <laughs> I don't know what, what to do in this sense. Um, and then, you know, that ended up being the time that I ended up leaving because it just didn't seem like they knew what they wanted for me at that point. So I, I decided, eh, it's okay. I'll, I'll take, take some time away. Sure. Um, yeah. Did that maybe, uh, upset you? I mean, did you want to wrestle more or did you, I mean, just kind of whatever door open pretty much, uh, I mean that they took you away from training. Did that, I mean, did you really, at the end of the day, you just wanted to be in the ring or, well, I think everybody wants whatever the, the best opportunity for them is going to be. And um, at the time, just doing all that travel and all of the training and everything to only be able to announce two matches a night, which at the time was Superstars, there were two matches, um, and then um, go back and train and never have a match. I never had a practice match. I never had I, I never had a match um, at all working there. So, um, you know, it just it's kind of discouraging. It's it's, it's <laughs> You want to be your best at whatever opportunity you get, but if you're not getting an opportunity to be your best at any opportunity, then it's not really an opportunity. Definitely. And now with uh, with the announcing uh, and all that preparation from even being in broadcast, uh, did that prepare you for being in front of over 76,000 people for WrestleMania 31 announcing? I mean, they can tell you to do so much, but when you're put into in front of all of that amount of people, is it just, I don't know, how does that feel pretty much? Um, well, I can tell you for me personally, um, you know, I, I do speaking engagements to this day where people will hire me to come, you know, speak for corporate functions and whatnot. And the, the less people there are in front of me, the harder the job is, um, (laughs) the more people that there are, the easier it is. Um, maybe it's because you cannot, it's almost like they're not real when you can't see faces you know, they're out there, but it's like live television. It's like you're speaking into a camera, but you don't see the million people that sure. are, <laughs> that are tuned in watching, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, for me, the, the smaller the crowd, the more difficult. Um, right. I, I actually just did a speaking engagement last week and the first, uh, time I got up in front of the group, uh, I could feel like my hand shaking and I was like, Oh, really? <laughs> After this long? Okay. Um, but of course I, you know, warmed right up, but, sure. uh, yeah, yeah. There, there, I can tell you there weren't many times in, in WWE that I allowed myself to get nervous, like to the point of being shaky or, you know, mm-hmm. any of that. I just, I just focused on what I had to do. Definitely. Uh, well, now, you know, uh, on October 28th, you made your in-ring debut with your husband, Cody, uh, for TNA. How is it for you to finally get that moment in the ring four years later after, you know, getting into the business? Um, it, it's pretty indescribable. Um, all of the things that I kind of felt like I missed before, being able to get that all in kind of one one swing, because, you know, TNA, they, they film everything all at once. It's not like you go for the week and then you go home and then you go for the week. You, you're there for like the full week and a half filming, um, every single day. And, um, you know, it, it just was pretty surreal to me. Um, I've never heard my name announced. I've never seen my name. I've never seen myself on a Tron. I've never seen myself in gear, like mm. in a ring, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it was pretty cool and it was great, uh, to see it received so well because, uh, I know there there are a lot of people that you know are really diehard wrestling fans that you know every detail of everything has to be great, um, and then there are the, the the 
bigger audience, which is the fans that just want to be entertained. Mm -hmm. And they allowed me to entertain them, and they've kind of kept up with me ever since. And just they they really loved just loved watching this transition for me. So um, I I couldn't have. I couldn't have liked it anymore. I would, I guess, I would say. <laughs> Great. Now, uh, you know, not everyone gets to debut with their significant other. Uh, was Cody able to help you prepare more outside of the ring too before you guys took on uh, Mike Bennett and Maria? You know, we kind of take a different approach, I think, than a lot of people do. We we kind of do our own thing. Um, I had gone and was training um, on my own uh, with folks there in Dallas and putting together things on my own and figuring out what I was comfortable with. Um, and you know, he just let me do that. Um, he didn't have any overbearing of what I need to be doing, what I need to be wearing, you know, how am I feeling? It just, it was just, um, we were just there together mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it went fine. Um, Great. Yeah. but he, he's not very involved in, in my, that portion of my career. All right. Uh, now, outside of all the wrestling, uh, fans can keep up with you on beingbrandyrunnels.com, where you talk about fash, health, fitness, home decorating, theme parks, travel, marriage, and, of course, horror films. Uh, what can the fans ex- <laughs> expect from you uh, from your blog? I mean, I know I know, I just mentioned a few things on there, but uh, is this pretty much your home base as far as uh, reaching out to everybody? So, for a long time, it has been. Um, and then... Recently, I have slowed down considerably with it. Um, it's kind of a, a, a revamp for me. Um, I'm needing to kind of refine the material that I want to talk about. And, um, you know, if you're not feeling passionate about something, sure. it's very hard to write about it. So um, kind of taking a, a little bit of a hi- hiatus from, from the blog, but it's still there for people to read, you know, past entries that I've had that they've really liked and resonated with. And, Hopefully soon I'll be able to um, post some more. Definitely. Well, uh, I mentioned a little bit of horror films. Uh, speaking of horror, uh, before getting married to Cody, one of your first dates was at the Halloween Horror Night at Universal Studios. And uh, being a horror fanatic as you are, did you realize that he was a keeper then? <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you that that uh, night going to Halloween Horror Nights, that meant a lot to me because I had um, – wanted to go to Halloween Horror Nights for so long. Um, I had lived in Miami for a long time, and um, it's just a drive, you know, and I can never get anyone to want to go with me. (laughs) It was always, you know, me trying to convince everyone, like, oh, we should go. It's worth (laughs) the trip. It's worth the, you know, just to stay. And no one ever wanted to do it. So um, when I finally found somebody that wanted to do it, uh, I was ecstatic and elated. That was a really great night. We had a lot of fun. Um, And um, that's, probably the reason why I continue to go so much today. Um, I went twice this year. I went once to um, Universal Orlando and then once to Universal Hollywood um, just to kind of compare the difference. And they're very different in how they present um, their versions of Halloween Horror Nights. They're both really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely grateful to have, have had that uh, first, first Halloween Horror Nights uh, date or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Now also, I understand you were working on a book too, uh, about horror. Yes. Yes, I have been. Um, it's in the closing stages. It's it's one of those things that I just keep, um, keep rewriting stuff. I keep, uh, you know, thinking, okay, I'm done here. And then when I reread again, I see something that I don't like or that I, I don't feel like quite connects or makes sense. And then I'll scratch a chapter 
and start it again. And uh, I've been doing that for a few months now. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, eventually, I get to a point where I am 100% confident and really, really like everything that I have down there. Um, and then we can, of course, start working towards publishing. Um, my agents do book publishing as well. That doesn't mean they'll they'll buy it, but they may. <laughs> and, you know, I'll just keep going with it until I, if they don't buy it, I'll keep going with someone until somebody does buy it. This week is Thanksgiving. What can you tell the fans out there? What is a typical maybe Thanksgiving like for you and Cody? And do you guys have any big plans this week? Um, typical, I, I really don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I honestly was thinking about it, and I, I don't know what we normally do. I know that last year we had a, a Thanksgiving at our home. It was very nice. Um, this year, I have no plans for Thanksgiving. Cody will be working um, the day after to entertain some fans. So there were no plans. Um, it's kind of hard to have a Thanksgiving, uh, when your spouse is out of town. <laughs> so, <laughs> Definitely. Um, and well, then, yeah. And we, we now, you know, being in LA, there's no one close by family wise. So there was really no point to me making a meal for myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? What are you thankful for this year then? Oh gosh. Um, I'm, very thankful for my health, I will say. Um, I have had a, a couple of situations this year um, that I have not felt very well or I've not been doing very well, I guess, um, uh, as far as my health is concerned. And I've always been a very healthy individual. Um, so it, there's been some moments this year where I've, I've been kind of stumped, like, oh, man, I'm really getting older, I guess. <laughs> um, there, there are problems starting to, to, to show up. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm very glad that at this point, at least in my life, I'm still pretty healthy. And at least, you know, when things do go wrong, I'm still able to recover pretty well. Um, I'm currently kind of recovering in a situation. So um, I'm, I'm just glad that things aren't, aren't, aren't any worse. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, Brandy, we thank you so much for taking the time out. We know you're busy, but uh, with the social media universe, where can the fans keep up with you today in case they don't know it already? Um, my Twitter and my Instagram are my most active accounts. And uh, those are the same address. It's the Brandy Rhodes. And um, again, the, the uh, blog is uh, being brandyrunnels.com and, um, you know, those are usually the best places to find me. Great. Well, thank you so much, and we hope to hear from you down the line, okay? Great. Thank you. This is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast in association with Celeb VM. Order a personal video message from me and many other wrestlers and celebrities now. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Get a personal video message for yourself or as a gift for someone else. For personal connections, shout-outs, birthdays, proposals, weddings, and much more. Enter your details about yourself so the celebrity can record a personal video message especially for you, including details such as your name, age, birthday, hobbies, or whatever else you include. As soon as the video has been recorded, you'll get an email with your link so you can share it on social media or download and keep it. Celebrities record videos as and when they can, usually within two weeks. But if you want a video for a specific date and it does not look like it will arrive in time, you can cancel it and get an instant refund at the click of a button. There are hundreds of celebrities to choose from and many more joining every day. Search by category or genre. Buy a gift voucher, get updates and offers, and encourage your favorite celebrities to join so they can connect with fans in a fun and unique way. 
raise money for their charities, and much more. So order your video now for yourself or for someone else. Hi, this is Ryan Stewart from Poughkeepsie, New York, and I'm here to talk about memories of wrestling in Poughkeepsie. Most memorable uh, night was in June of 1986. I was in middle school, and my dad uh, would get us tickets to go to the TV tapings there on a fairly regular basis. And he called me when I got home from school saying they had just put up on the marquee um, that uh, Hulk Hogan was going to be there that night, and he had not been at any of the tapings that I had been to. Uh, and I was very excited, and very excited that we had already purchased tickets, and on our way in, we saw some of my classmates and their fathers leaving because they had been to the box office, and it was now sold out, and they were going home without tickets, and we were going in with tickets. Uh, it was a tag team match, Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff versus King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd. And the crowd was frenzied for Hulk's entrance. He ripped his T-shirt off and everything. And uh, Orndorff did all or most of the work in the match and then uh, turned on Hogan, clotheslined him, piledrived him, and aligned himself with Bobby Heenan and Stud and Bundy. And the crowd was just just furious. And uh, I remember this was before internet and stuff. I remember uh, telling my friends about it, and they they had to wait like a certain number of weeks before they could see it. And I had already seen it live. And uh, even my dad, who was not a wrestling fan, he was just a good dad who uh, would take me. He he was shocked by it and couldn't believe it. So that really stood out uh, among other memories. NWA at the Mid Hudson Civic Center. And in addition to some of the things that uh, Kevin Sullivan did at the show, uh, Bobby Eaton in a Midnight Express match uh, accused the uh, opponent of pulling his balls, and the uh, was not something we saw at WWF in the 80s. And uh, I remember Jim Cornette, without a microphone, could be heard throughout the Civic Center. He said, Tell me, Mr. Referee, is or is not ball pulling illegal? And uh, I also remember Ron Simmons, a young Ron Simmons was there, and he uh, showed a lot of potential. A youngish Rick Steiner was there, and, and he was great too. And it was great to see NWA stars up close and personal. And that is one of my big memories of wrestling in Poughkeepsie. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope uh, you uh, have a good time. Thanks to uh, Brandy Rhodes for stopping by and talking with us this week. Uh, that's right. You know, uh, it is the holidays, the beginning of the, the holiday season. Thanksgiving. Kuda, we are, we are, we mentioned earlier, we're home right now on the, the one of these, these little party nights talking wrestling. Uh, <laughs> we are home for the holidays, baby. So why not talk about our hometown, uh, our home area? You know, we're from uh, the Hudson Valley, so we're surrounded by the tri-state area, uh, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey. Uh, but right in our backyard, you know, from the Civic Center, uh, there are many places over here in Danbury and Connecticut. Uh, a lot of things have happened in our area. So maybe for everybody listening out there, no matter where you are, get to get to give you an idea where we're from in a way uh what's happened in our area the historical things uh come take the little history tour of our hometown and uh you know hey 
Let's, let's let's get right into it, right? Uh, one of the things that have happened in our uh, area, uh, like I said, the Mid Hudson Civic Center has has played a role for a lot of uh, WWE stuff in, in the early '80s and '90s from tapings and whatnot here. But just uh, little tidbits here and there, you know, the Macho Man Randy Savage debuted Cooter uh, up here in Poughkeepsie. Uh, do you remember this? See, that's this is way before my time, and and up until I saw the rundown sheet for today's episode, I had no idea that that was a fact. So, I mean, this is uh, surprising even to me. So, I mean, the Macho Man having his WWF debut in Poughkeepsie, such a big deal. Uh, I mean, I've heard guys talk about a lot of great moments, but this one was never actually told to me, so... Yeah, and you know, for everybody listening to, we're gonna post the links to some of the things that we're talking about, and then you'll actually see the video of uh, of the actual event. Uh, at least we're lucky enough for the this YouTube era, you can kind of look up some of these videos now. Uh, even even on the the network, if you kids got it, I'm sure you got it. You're a wrestling fan, so uh, from the Macho Man Cooter to Miss Elizabeth, did you know uh, the Macho Man was a was a big cl- uh, you know he was a big client to have, and so all the managers at the time. We're trying to woo him, if you will, uh, to to let them manage him. You know, from Bobby the Brain, Mr. Fuji, Classy Freddie Blassie, and so on. Uh, they they were after the Macho Man, so the Macho Man was gonna pick somebody. And this night, up here in Poughkeepsie, he picked Miss Elizabeth to be his manager. Uh, another historical moment of uh, you know, our area, our home. What do you think about that? Did you did you see this video of uh, Miss Elizabeth's debut? Yes, I've seen this video before, and I actually did know that she debuted here. Uh, a couple of the old-timers from the area always speak about Miss Elizabeth's debut. Oddly enough, they never talk about Savage's debut in the same town. They always want to talk about that beautiful woman. Oh, my God, was she fantastic. But, <laughs> I mean, Miss Elizabeth, one in a million, has her debut in our backyard. Who would have no. thought? It could happen anywhere, and it happened 20 minutes right up the street. You know what I'm saying? I know. So it's great. Uh, you know, and one of the funny things too, uh, if you listen to the Colt Cabana episode a few weeks ago, uh, we talked to him. We saw we saw him earlier this year at Global Force Wrestling in Poughkeepsie, and we talked to him a few weeks ago also. And uh, this moment where Andre the Giant uh, in the in believe in '84 got his uh, head cut by uh, Big John Stud and uh, Ken Patera. Uh, it was a moment where you know it was a big deal. You know, back in the eighties, you had a, a little bit. You're you had some long hair still from the seventies, and they didn't know what to do with it. People started cutting it, right? So they, they there you they, go. I thought you first. You said head cut. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, open Andre. Yeah, he had a haircut. So oh, it was yeah. a big deal. You know, it was a good stipulation. And for for the giant, you know, this forever changed his uh, his. Uh, his head landscape. I don't know. You could say this is where yeah, he cut the hair, man. Still rock it. that huge, massive <laughs> fro. So terrible yep. looking, but uh, you know he started to actually look like more of a human being. Yeah. And then uh, you know because he stopped wearing those trunks, he had shorter hair, and he ended up wearing that big singlet. So I mean. It's great. Some of the little TV history, and it's great that we can actually see it too. So, you know, there's other little things that might have happened up here, but uh, as far as like actually viewing these, you can find them all on YouTube. Like I said, we'll post the links. But I mean, it's kind of cool. It's just a little tidbit story of what's happened in our home area, and I guess we're giving thanks to it. You know, it is the Thanksgiving episode. We're uh, we're thanking some of the the history right here in our backyard because that's why, you know, this is what we do, Cooter. We're another wrestling podcast. We gotta at least tell the people where we're from, and you know. It's like the pro wrestling capital of uh, the world, this region that we live in, this tri-state area. 
Yeah, eventually we might get to some of these that we've actually bearing witness to. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> let, let's see what else we got over here. Um, dude, we actually had a title change I can see over here. Tell me about this, Greedo. Yeah, man. So in uh, 85, they did a bunch of tapings and stuff uh, then because, like I said, uh, the Civic Center was the place to film a lot of these. It was a good, big enough size. It was a good... Uh, it looked good on camera. It was great, man. It was uh, probably cheap, too, back then to film in there. So uh, the U.S. Express, Mike Rotunda, and Barry Windham, they defeated uh, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, regaining the WWF Tag Team Championship. They had lost to the pair at WrestleMania on uh, March 31st and 85. So it was, uh, you know... It, it was a little title change. It was, uh, I mean, it's a tag, WWF Tag Team Championships. There a little have... title change? What was the we're big... talking about four Hall of Famers who were involved <laughs> in a title change in our backyard, goddammit. Well, when he's right, he's right, right? You got I mean, listen, don't ever, ever disrespect the Sheik. No disrespect, Sheik. number one. I... Iran, number one. <laughs> USA. Ah, no, no offense, Sheik. I was uh, I was hanging out with RVD. I know you've been with the Sandman tonight. It is Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve, so you know it's it's you know. I, excuse me, but uh, yeah, that's uh that's a, it's a great it's another little milestone that happened here to where where did that title change happen? It is in the history books that it was right in our hometown uh, in Poughkeepsie, New York, Cooter man. It's uh, these little things just to let you know you know what we're, what we've lived around in a way it's like these little monuments of pro wrestling history have happened right here in our backyard so uh it's it's great to talk about all right what else do we have here credo well you know still capturing this 80s mood if you will uh the a big song in the 80s was the land of a thousand dances uh they filmed uh the a music video for the land of a thousand dances uh, I think there was another video out, but this one was all wrestlers, and it was... Oh, God. And it's it's at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center on stage. Like, any and er, anybody and everybody in the WWE at that time, or WWF, whatever, uh, was in this video. Everybody was in it. Uh, from head to toe, even Vince McMahon, everybody. It's a funny, wacky video, but I mean, if you play... I, I'll play it right now. I'll just have the music in the background, but, you know, it's... It, oh, God. This, this is by far the most obnoxious thing I think you've ever made me watch. Um, oh, it's God. history, damn it. History. This, this isn't history. No, this is something Poughkeepsie should forget. <laughs> this is just a terrible video. Oh, my God. Now, as we walk down memory lane, you know, it's just these little things. You know, we're like taking a stroll through uh, our hometown, Cooter. You know, Thanksgiving, we're uh, we're home for the holidays. i got to keep repeating that because I just want to make sure we, we get the point, right? So Yeah, let's start talking about some of the shit we've actually seen. Well, yes. Yeah, not, not things that we've heard secondhand because, you know, a lot of these, like I said, we've I, I've heard from some guys because there are a lot of fans who are older than us who actually got to witness some of that stuff from the 80s live. So, I mean, it's always cool to hear their stories. It, and some of the ones that were mentioned, I always thought was funny. Was I? I always uh, heard they always used to talk about uh, Elizabeth debuting there. Not too many uh, people ever really uh, talked about Savage debuting. So, you know, they yeah. want to remember the good things, right? Well, so so yeah. So this was really our time period. If we fast forward a little bit, now we're into the '90s. Uh, they filmed a lot of the Raws there. I don't know, like a handful of Raws there. It was a good, it was a good spot to go to every so often just to to make the rounds because it was a good place for TV. So, you know, it was a lot of memorable moments happened there. Uh, one big moment was the one two three kid who fought Razor Ramon, and that was a ten thousand dollar match. 
oh god yeah he bet him ten thousand dollars that he couldn't beat him again where i think at the before he was the one two three kid he beat razor ramon as the ll kid yeah man with the he, moonsault out of nowhere and yeah. it just shocked the world live on raw then you got to see him he ran into the streets of poughkeepsie he ran out the door and you knew that was a civic center it was like ah he's running the, you know he's running down the road over here and uh, it was cool. literally running down main street poughkeepsie i'm like oh my god so yeah at this time man i was i was of age to go to these shows in a way to where i've been to some house shows in the 80s and 90s but i never was at a tv taping just because I, we had other stuff going on. Like my parents weren't like concerned about going to this TV taping as much as I was in a way. So uh, that was happening. I remember I met like uh, who was it? I was trying to meet Razor Ramon up here at like a video treats at, at a signing. Oh my and, God, you uh, just blew my mind. But lo and behold, treats. And he never showed up. So freaking they send out uh, Typhoon or he was Tugboat at the time. They sent out tug, <laughs> no, t- yeah, Tugboat, Tugboat. And uh, so I was like, fuck, I wanted to meet Razor Ramon. So they sent Tugboat instead. And little did I know our good friend Steve Cohen uh, was at that same signing and he actually waited and said Razor Ramon did show up. And I I was so pissed because I, I went there and I left and I figured he wasn't coming. And, oh, my God. I, but the long, down. long story short, as I never was able to, to, to go to any of these Raws they filmed here. I remember even Kevin Nash was at Movie Stars then at that time over here by us, uh, right Movie over here at this plaza. Um, oh, my God. Jeez, you're really going back. And Nash was giving out free tickets for Raw, and I was somewhere else, and my friends were down there, and they got free tickets for Raw. Another day that I was pissed, so I missed I missed all these Raw scooters. So now let's fast forward even more in the late 90s, uh, 2000s, uh, ECW, baby. ECW came. Uh, we're in high school now, and I'm like, I am not missing this. You know what I mean? Like, I missed all these other little Raws back then, and I wanted to redeem myself. And not only did we redeem ourselves, but it was like... You know, it's it, it's so much better than what it was. You know what I mean? It's like... It, God, I remember this. This was our junior year, and... I went to all the was, shows. Oh, God. This was... God, yeah, like I said, this is junior year of high school, and this was a live pay-per-view. It was 1999's Hardcore Heaven, and the match that sticks out to everybody... Around the I mean, world. Oh, God. This is, this is one of the matches, like, if you ever had, like, a top ten matches of matches, you know, this is one of them. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Rob Van Dam, the whole fucking show, versus Jerry Lynn, the new fucking show. And it, and just a, it was a no-time-limit match for the W or no, for the ECW World Television Championship. And you know what's so funny is that I will never forget being there in that building. Hmm. There was some asshole holding up a, a new Paltz suck sign. Do you remember what I'm talking <laughs> yes. about? And yeah. it's like every time I see this match on like YouTube or like on a DVD that I have, I see that stupid sign and I just can't help but laugh my ass off, dude. Oh, man. But it's it's great. I mean, it, you guys, if you haven't ever seen the RVD versus Jerry Lynn match, Co., it's on the network. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Uh, just watch it. It's one of those matches that, you know, I was. Uh, we witnessed, and that's that's really cool. And it, it's a big match. I mean, it's it, if you do a top ten ECW matches, this is like one of the top five. You know what I'm saying? So uh, another little little niche in the, in our hometown is uh you know one of the things that have taken place here. And it's not like you know just any match. It was one of the you know one of the greatest matches of all time. If oh, you will. Oh yeah, there's no question. Yeah, I mean that's just that's that's one of my favorites. Yeah, man. So ECW was it was big back then, and it was like once again they used the Civic Center for the exact same reasons WWE uh, WWE did back in the eighties and nineties. That it was it was a perfect size for them at that time, and it looked good on TV to where you know they didn't have to pay a lot of money for this building, and they could put cameras in there and make it look bigger than what it was in a way. 
and uh, you know it's perfect it was perfect for them and uh, i was i was so happy that we got to witness more tv and a pay-per-view in there because i i was you know not only did i wasn't able to go to the the tvs uh, the raws back then and now i was officially at a local pay-per-view so though it was one of our the notches in our belt i guess you could say right yeah pretty much um but man you know ecw is big here uh scott hall made an appearance briefly he came back for two shows it was like one of those times in 2000 i think he left wcw for his alcohol problems or whatnot but uh he showed up here made a big appearance uh that could be found on uh, youtube and stuff with or whatnot but cooter man speaking of ecw please uh we've talked about this off air uh you've talked about it you know briefly with others but uh tell us tell us about this because it's, it's not all just the mid hudson civic center here in poughkeepsie uh cooter take us out to danbury connecticut God, Danbury, Connecticut. And the only reason I was okayed by my parents to go to show, not not that I really needed to be okayed, but it was, you know, it was a gift from them. They got me these tickets because it was on the college campus of uh, where I got accepted to, to go the next year. It was the uh, Western Connecticut State University at the O'Neill Center, which was their like little gym. And they were having living dangerously over there. And uh, I really could not even tell you Anything that happened on that card outside of the Danbury Fall, as it's been uh, as it's been called, that was the night where, oh God, New Jack and Vic Grimes uh, literally almost killed each other, Credo. Oh, I've seen the video. You guys can see the video, I'm sure, on on uh, YouTube. Oh God, it was brutal. I mean. Uh, what was it like being there live though? Because I just seen it on video. You were there live, and I mean, like ECW did some crazy shit. And but this I just is like, come on, somebody ex- almost died. These guys almost died. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I just remember it being so loud because all they do that whole time that New Jack is out there is they play that same song over and over. The only thing I can really tell you, Carito, was it was just so loud in that building because every time New Jack had a match. You know, they played natural born killers throughout the whole match. And this is going on. These two are falling off a scaffolding. I think it was a scaffolding. Yeah. And it was it was a bot spot where they were supposed to go through two tables together. And I guess uh, from what New Jack tells the story later on, years later, Vic didn't want to go with him. And New Jack decided to pull him with him and they missed the tables and Vic Grimes landed on New Jack's head to the concrete floor. So, I mean, he's got pretty much permanent brain damage from that. And he's it, like blind too from that, right? I said in one, one of his eyes, uh, he like, you can see totally. That's what he says, I mean, I don't know if, it, if it's complete blindness or if it's just like eye damage or whatever it is, but I mean, Fucking that's crazy, incredible man. that he lived through that. And it's just like, they just kind of, okay, like it was no big deal, and I'm with the show. And I'm like, these two guys could have almost just died. I like, know, man. And that's the thing. It's like, ugh, I wasn't there live, but it was like, did you actually think they, like, somebody, like, I don't know, did they move right away after that? Or what did you dude, see live? It, they, they, like, I, they just swept them up, like, uh, and, and moved them the fuck out of there. I mean, at, at that point, like, you were just so. <sighs> Because the thing about it is they they make it seem like it was just no big deal. Yeah. Like, all right, it's just on with the next thing. <laughs> I would have loved to see what they would do to try to get back down. Like, you know, Vic's like, I'm not going to do it. Like, how do you just work your way back? Like, that's such a tease, especially for this bloodthirsty crowd. It's like, man, you don't do it. You're going to, like, get 
fucking heckled or if you you know you do oh, do it yeah. you die it was or no contest the match was over after that credo i mean it was done i yeah. mean they didn't even fight after that it was <laughs> just ridiculous oh it's crazy man so yeah if you watch this that's like that's not say you wit- that's crazy that's man you're another thing that you witnessed a little a little notch on our cherry tree up here in our hometown area uh <sighs> home for the holidays cooter uh now fast forward a little bit because uh <laughs> wwe bought ecw and it became you know the ec wwe uh a funny little story we were both at this and i remember watching yeah. that raw that night but i'll let you tell the story best but uh it involved the big show in uh ecw the ecw wwe brand yeah i mean uh big show was the ecw champion at the time and uh it was a house show on a monday night it was, was ecw was was doing house shows by itself before they got paired with smackdown and what was so crazy about it was the main event was supposed to be Big Show versus Sabu for the main event. And they actually opened the show with that match. I remember, yeah. And I was like, why are they doing that first? Like, that's the, that's, you know, that's the, that's like the main event, right? Like, why are they doing the main event first? Yeah, like, I remember the- you're sitting a few couple of rows in front of me. And I remember calling, uh, screaming at the Big Show, big, slow. And then he kind of turned and looked right at me and said, your mother likes it slow. And you just turned and started <laughs> laughing at me. I'm like, fucking credo. The whole crowd's like, ooh, and what am I supposed to do after that? Because if you say anything back, you're that guy. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not trying to go there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we got home at a reasonable hour. We Remember, got to watch yeah. the end of Raw, you know what I mean? And, God, this was during... That's what I was worried about, too. I was like, man, I, wanna, I don't want to miss Raw, because it was that late at night already, you know what I mean? Like, by the time we got home, like, Raw would just be starting in a way, so, or, yeah. like, or, a few minutes yeah. later or whatever. Yeah, it was, and it was right in the middle of the DX reunion, too. And I was always wondering why it was like... I mean, it was a... No, it was a, yeah, it was a Monday. It was, it was, it was Monday a, night. Yeah, so... Yeah. Oh, man, it's crazy. So, yeah, get, get, to, the, get to the good part. Yeah, so uh, there, this is the middle of the uh, McMahon versus the... Uh, the DX storyline where they had gotten back together and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're going to have a, a handicap match at the next pay-per-view in a hell in a cell. And the McMahons are going to have a special partner. And, uh, lo and behold, out comes the big show live on raw, which was in Atlantic city, which is a couple hours from us by drive. So he must've been choppered off from. That's it. Yeah. Cause it's like, if we drive here from our hometown, that's at least like three, three, three hours, and a half drive, hours. Yeah. yeah, at least. So, yeah. I mean, that was just crazy. And, and I'll never forget Jim Ross calling that live. Oh, my God, it's the big show. He was just at an ECW live show in Poughkeepsie. And we're just like, <laughs> yeah, name drop Poughkeepsie on TV. And well, well, the, I think it was just a great feeling because we were at that show. Yeah. It and was literally, pretty- like, he's on uh, Ron Raw. So it was kind of like, whoa, this is. It's, it was just surreal because, like, I know it was close, but not that it wasn't that close. Like, they literally had to fly like him down there fast. It was such a big deal, but it was just cool to us because it was, it was just all another thing the that happened, night. man. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's another it little a hometown time. story, man. It's a great story. I love it. <laughs> you know, other little things have happened here. You know, uh, Tommy Dreamer has said many times that you know he broke his back against Lance Storm in a, in a match up here uh, for a lot of uh, independents around here too uh, for Northeast Wrestling. Uh, I hope I have this. So I'm gonna see if I can find it. Uh, but it was the Ultimate Warrior. I think it was like a year or two before he died, or something to that effect. It was it was pretty close to when he died. Uh, and he gave a speech, man. And l- let's hear it right, right now. Speak to me. Shake the rope! 
to like see him in the ring and hear what he had to say i got some great photos of him uh and you know i actually had an email from the ultimate warrior because i was talking to whatever guy like they i used the i made the poster for the event right so he uh-huh. loved the picture of the of him in the poster and he wanted a high-res version of it so i emailed it to him and it was like i was taught i was emailing the ultimate warrior i'm like this isn't real like you know it's like stop it it's like i'm fucking emailing the ultimate warrior uh, and when I met him, you know, he's like, you know, he was appreciative uh, of uh, helping him find the photo and all that stuff. And it was, it was just cool, man. And it was cool to witness that because it was a moment, at least for an independent place, that, you know, I really got to see one of my hometown here, or one of my heroes growing up uh, on, you know, live and in front center like he was in the ring again. You know what I mean? So it was a good emotional moment that they actually brought to us. Yeah, that was a pretty surreal moment. I mean, and Northeast Wrestling has brought us a lot of really cool moments. I mean, I remember one for me from them was, uh, and, and at the time it was basically Terry Funk's last match. You know, he's had so many last matches, but this was uh, him versus Jerry the King Lawler. I mean, I mean, two very grizzled season vets, but uh, I mean, even at his age at the time, I mean, Terry Funk would not just stop throwing chairs and going absolutely bonkers so i mean they just get guys that you don't expect so kudos to northeast wrestling for for all the great shows that they put on and 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 continuing to get great talent you know something new every time you know it's it's really good yeah and you know we we've seen a lot of things up there uh we even like in uh, we've been to some tna shows there but they actually had a taping a one nine only taping, and it was hashtag old school in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, it was in 2013. Yeah, 2013. It was on a, uh, Monday, December 30th. And uh, you know, I was like, uh, at this point, I was like, I, I was watching TNA, but I wasn't as much into it. Uh, and so I was like, eh, it's a, it's a pay per view. Let's go check it out. And it did not feel like a pay per view. You know what I mean? Like, I the, yeah, we saw them filming, but it wasn't like. I expected something else, I guess, from a pay-per-view. And it wasn't live, too, so that's the thing. So it wasn't live. That was it. That's why I didn't feel like it. They were taping it, and it was like this would be shown like six weeks or something or four weeks later, two weeks later, oh, whatever. Oh, God. So it was like they taped it to air later live. So they'd play it. They'd stream it live, but it was taped like two or a few weeks prior. I forget how many. I don't, I don't remember, but it was like a few weeks. Uh, so it was one of those weird things where it was oh. like – and I still have yet to see it. I never watch it because I didn't want to pay for it. So I was like, <laughs> I was like there you know, was it's a, so funny. I lived it's, it. I didn't need to see it really because it wasn't really, I don't know, you know. We were ringside, so. They, they never did a really good job of selling that building. I don't think they ever sold it out. I mean, I know they did a handful of house shows. No, uh, yeah. I mean. In the first ones, I mean, it was a good crowd. They don't do a lot of advertising. They don't do a lot of like. Yeah, it, it was like, like 75% full and then. It was maybe two or three years later 
I went to another one and it like Credo, I'm telling you, it was wasn't even a quarter full. I was like, this is fucking embarrassing. They don't I mean, they like, do the legwork and promote it yeah. too. Yeah. It's like, dude, there 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 are indie companies who had, you know, a couple of headline guys with with less talent guys who were also on the card that sell that building out like it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, TNA with all its TV time was not doing shit in that building. And that's saying a lot because there are a lot of wrestling fans, you know, in this area and they always jump at the opportunity, but you're right. They just refuse to advertise properly. They won't go to the papers. They barely do radio spots. They never put TV commercials on. That's right, man. You know, well, at the end of the day, Cooter, uh, happy Thanksgiving, man. Because I mean, it's been it's been great being home for the holidays, man. Do a shot every time I say that this episode, and uh, you'll have a great episode by the end of it. At the end of the day, we're still giving thanks for everything that uh, has happened here in our home area. Uh, we are home for the holidays this season. And uh, what better way to to, to to say thank you, right? Oh, enough for the home the holidays. You say that again, <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the nuts. <laughs> oh, yes, we have been very fortunate in our little area known as the Hudson Valley to see some great-ass moments in the sport of professional wrestling. But I am tuning out of this podcast because if I have to hear you say that one more time, seriously, I'm going to fucking lose it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes. Fuck. Hope for the holidays. Fucker. Fucker.